0: Today is Friday, June sixteenth, twenty twenty-three, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Hmm, this may be the quietest I've ever been. I uh, I do a lot of listening today. Maybe we'll learn something. Maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I did learn something. Maybe you'll learn something. Listen for more. We talk about uh, some of the normal stuff to start us off: faith versus works. Some people share their testimony, including Pastor Sam, our guest, our friend. Um, so you get a little bit more of the a uh, little bit more of a church service uh, setting for the first little bit. Then uh, we have someone to uh, to put a nail in that point and we talk about, did Jesus or the Holy Spirit create stuff? despite what the Bible says, point blank, black and white, multiple locations in the Bible. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the one that all things were made through. He sustains all things. Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. So we talk about that. Um, then we turn out this guy is like, I don't even know if he's a cult. Um, he's he like the only member of it. But he believes like, I don't know, the Holy Spirit's a woman too or something like that. It's crazy. Anyway, so the answer is Jesus created stuff. Um, there's, there's no way to get around that. And we, we talk a little bit. I go on a rant. It's like how how, you know, people say when they ask a very obscure question about like, the Bible that has nothing to do with Jesus or salvation. It's just like about a very obscure topic. And the Bible doesn't really have much to say about it because it doesn't matter. And they're like, oh, your Bible doesn't talk about this ad nauseum. How do you possibly know? How can your God be true? I'm like, what? I'm like, none of this matters. Like, let's talk about the stuff that matters. The Bible has plenty to say about that. And then we have a guy, I mean, this happened yesterday. And today we have this guy asking something like this, where the Bible says plenty about it. Like, you'll hear tons about it um, all through the Bible. And he's like, oh, okay, well, no, it doesn't. I'm like, what? You're saying it doesn't say what it says? Um, so without saying it's saying it doesn't say what it says, he says it doesn't say what it says. Um, <laughs> so that's, um, I don't know, a little irritating, but still needs Jesus. Then we talk about prophecies versus prophets. And, you know, if there was a ranking system somehow is, does prophet beat priest? um a <laughs> preacher anyway so uh we talk about that and then the difference in prophecies and prophets and the office and the calling or gifting or whatever we talk about all of that and then there's uh some more questions and largely i am a listener today so i don't know maybe it's because I have work going on because i have to, I'm, I'm like multitasking um whatever the reason it's a good discussion i uh, learned some stuff and it was enjoyable Did I sell that well all right so check out the ask a christian book on Amazon, free to read with the Kindle Unlimited subscription. Check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support this broadcast, and you can click on the donate link to help us financially that way. It is much appreciated. Um, Share these links on social media, and we'll see you... Oh, it's the weekend, right? I'm off. All right, peace out. We'll see you Monday. Bye. But
1: ...are not saved. So now I would like to know, (laughs) how do we know when someone is saved... What's the telltale signs of someone being saved? I would like to know that. Tell yeah, me. right.
0: That that's pretty important. Like you don't think about that. Like I took that for granted too. Like you know, if you have a pastor, they're going to be saved. But, <laughs> um, you know, off the top of my head, I'm thinking like listen to their, you know, altar call or when they share the gospel or whatever. Um, and listen to what they say. Like, are they parroting what the Bible says? Like, do they have a good handle on what the gospel is? I mean, that doesn't speak to their heart. But, uh, you know, if they, I mean, if they talk about the gospel and, you know, say, well, just believe in Jesus and, you know, do good stuff. And back, like, ooh, I don't know. If they have an of understanding of the gospel, or, I mean, how can they be saved if that's what they really think? Um, but, you know, if they have a really scriptural, detailed laying out of the gospel and what that is and what that means, well, at least you know they know it because they said it. Uh, so I think there's a better chance that they, they believe it. And then, you know, we, we look at their fruits, we look at their, you know, what they do and see if it lines up with what they just said. So, I mean, you know, we'll never know for sure. But um I think well, you know, by by their fruits we'll know them. And then if they give a, a very clear, good, succinct gospel presentation to, to show that they actually know what it is, um, you know. I'd go to that church.
2: Yeah, the the apostle said, you know, we um man, how'd you go? Um for some whose works follow. uh in in one of the Timothy's. I can't remember the numbers, forgive me on that. Uh, but John wrote in chapter 3 of his epistle, 1 John 3, uh, uh, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We have a particular or for each other that doesn't come from our uh, just us being natural humans we love to be around other christians we love to make sure that the other christians are okay uh, that we we love the brethren you know uh and you can just see it you can sense it you know when you when you come across true believers it just has a they have a different uh attitude about them other believers don't really have to necessarily be in the same denomination or the same church but you'd be like, yeah, okay. When you have a conversation with them, you you, you can sense the joy of the Lord in their heart. And you, yeah. you'd be like, yeah. That's just, I'm just saying. Right? That's what it says in the Word. We perceive, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down our lives for us. And we have to also lay down our lives for the brethren that, that kind of thing. I'm just saying. Yeah,
0: anyone else?
1: You know, you know, when I think about that, uh, who's saved today, you know, it takes me back to uh, what is written in uh, many different passages of Scripture. For example, Ephesians 2 and 8, where Paul says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. At least any man should boast going off into that verse, that ninth verse, and then taking a look at verse 10 trying to remember what he says there, but we are his workmanship created. Uh, uh, what does he say? Uh, in Christ Jesus, unto good works, I believe that he says, if I'm not mistaken, that he before ordained order that we should walk in them. That eighth verse says a lot to me uh, concerning someone being saved. Again, for by grace are ye saved. Through faith. Uh, the man or woman who continues to walk by faith uh, shows the telltale sign that they are saved. Uh, the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in the life of the individual uh, makes itself known also, too, when one is operating in uh, holiness, being moved, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. And you guys can correct me on that. That's what I believe when someone is holy. Whenever that person is used and moved by the Holy Spirit, the vessel becomes sacred to be used by that which is and implanted in them. I might be wrong on that, but still learn it. But that's just it. You know, faith shows the telltale sign of those who are saved. True saving faith, that is. True sound saving faith.
2: Man, I hate to feel like I'm talking a lot, but I am. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, no, nah, preach,
3: man, preach.
2: That's, that's good stuff right there, bro. Because I, right, that 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 those three verses that you read, uh, I don't know if you paid attention. They said exactly what you said. We're saved by grace, but it said that we were ordained to good works. <laughs> you you. Know, you, you the very thing that you said, that, that's what he's saying. He's like, okay, we're, we're saved by grace through faith. That's not of ourself. it. It is the gift of God, right? But it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. We are his. We have been crafted after his mind, after his will. His spirit lives in us. and it says his workmanship created in Christ. Watch this unto good works we're not saved because of good works but we were ordained to good works and the, the caveat is he said ordained that we should walk in them I don't, there, I don't see how that being actually having the true encounter with Christ being ordained to good works and the person not not walking what God is ordained who's stronger than God
3: our wrist. Yeah, so my interpretation, right, and we can bring up James, faith without works is dead. And, Pastor, what I'm getting from what you guys have been saying, you two, Detroit, is that we're not justified by God through our works. Um, works, we can be justified by men in our own standing, right? So works has nothing to do with our salvation, right? Abraham was justified before he did any works, before he um sacrifice Isaac, you already had faith to bring Isaac up to Mount Moriah. So a lot of a lot of good stuff that I'm hearing right now. Um but but what's your take on James Faith without works is dead? Because I know a lot of Catholics bring it up, right? To use that as a work based system. Well faith
2: faith without works is dead is you know that's the truth. It it's 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 because it's because if what we just read in Ephesians is not taking place then then you more than likely don't actually have the faith that was delivered to the saints. See there's a difference between a person uh and you know, I'm kind of go kind of go basic, right? When a person comes to church and he says that they are Christian, they say, I chose Christ. Okay. All right. That sounds good on the surface because, all right, but why are you choosing Christ? Did you choose Christ because you felt a deep sense of uh, the urgency to flee from sin? Or did you, you know, you're trying to, okay, I'm still doing what I want to do. But I'm trying to escape hell Christian that that you know it's not leading that the one is not going to lead to the actions of those who have who truly believe one is is going to be a Christian because Christ is joined himself to them because he knows their heart, because none of us are perfected, right? You know, you, you might catch me on a bad day where I don't look like a Christian, but God hasn't cast me away and he's still working on me and I'm still seeking to allow him to.
0: To to. Well, I saw some, you're cutting out a little, I don't know if you meant to do that or not, but it was kind of choppy, we heard you though. But I mean, I was, I was watching, uh, I was looking at this discussion today, and um it was like some atheist meme and they were making the christian point even though i guess they didn't realize it but it was like uh, you know two people two people are they making this point uh, but it was like two people you know one an atheist one a christian pray to god for rain um you know one uh prays to god goes back home has dinner with his wife um and you know the other one goes out and starts plowing the field which one you know which one really had faith and they were trying to make a different point but it failed, but hearing this discussion, it makes that one now. So you could say faith without works. is like, well, you know, do you pray to God for rain? And then you don't really expect it's going to happen. So, you know, you don't really have faith. So you just go about your business versus, you know, like um, what did Abraham do? Like, you know, he, he built a boat (laughs) God said, build a boat. He built a boat or Noah, my bad. But, um, you know, if you pray to God for rain, well, then you start plowing your field, you know, as if it was about to rain. So I kind of see that's like faith with works. Like you, you have faith, but then you do practical things. So it doesn't mean you're doing work. It doesn't mean you're doing works to save you, but that would be like faith without works is dead. Like, oh, God, send rain. And then you just go home and, you know, ignore it. And then if it does rain, it's like, oh, well, gosh, I didn't actually expect that prayer to come true. I actually guess I didn't have enough faith. Otherwise I would have prepared for what I was preparing, uh, praying for.
2: You know, the the the, the faith
0: of the gospel It's motivating
2: this, the the faith, okay. The faith of the gospel is not our faith. This is a faith that was authored by Christ and given to us, right? And his faith encompasses the love of God. The scripture says, we are uh, faith worked by love. And it says, the love of God constrains us. It's like like our relationships with our wives. We're not in our relationship. We're not doing things to earn their love. They're not doing things to earn our love. We have a a co-mutual relation. I want to do this. I want to see you in the morning. I've been married for 36 years, and I still want to see that woman. We don't look the same or or, or not the same as we were all those many years ago, but I'm motivated to love her. She's motivated to love me. This is what the faith of the gospel entails for us as believers. We are drawn to God and his purposes, and our obedience is is an outgrowth of thankfulness for what he has done for me. Thank you, God. Woo! Man, if you call yourself a believer and you're not thankful for the deliverance from sin and want to lay down your life for him, oh, man.
1: Whew, I'm sorry, I got a little. Hey, amen, amen. Uh, looking at that faith, you know, words thing that is mentioned in James chapter two. By the way, awesome, a uh, uh, pastor, a uh, uh, Sam, beautiful man. Uh, you get ready to go off into your testimony. Stir a lot of us up in here with that one. What- <laughs> but, uh, yeah, why well, you don't know I said, look at, at get it?
2: because this is <laughs> getting, boy, look, man, you get to thinking, really actually thinking about the love of God and where He brought you from if you had any time in the journey. But I tell you, man, it's been almost 40 years, and it seems like it was just yesterday He introduced Himself to me and let me know that this love, whoo, my God, better change your life. I needed Him bad. I needed Him bad 40 years ago, maybe. <laughs> I need him bad now. I still do. I don't understand people who say that they won't walk away. Where you going to go? To what? To do what? Because he's so lovely. He's so precious. He's so...
1: Amen. I feel that, Pastor Sale. <laughs> you know, it, it just reminded me of, uh, of an, an, an experience I had uh, some years ago, you know. And, uh, uh, that experience, man, it was powerful. It was, you know. I became very emotional too during that time, you know. Maybe one day I'll share the testimony too. But, you know, that faith produces the works, you know, it shows. Itself. It shows who you belong to, whom we belong to. You know, the faith produces the works. It shows itself. That's what I believe when we look at that scripture. Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so then faith without works is dead also too. Isn't that beautiful? You know, I think about faith, someone mentioned here. Uh, uh, I believe I don't want to take anything out of context or take any one words run in a different direction with them, but I believe that uh, when we look back at the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, he mentions faith as one of the spiritual gifts given to the believer. And it is a spiritual gift given to the believer, distributed to the believer by way of the Holy Spirit that God have placed and sealed in us. That is so beautiful. When I think about that, hey, I could tear up on that one right there alone. Come on, <laughs> Pastor man. Sam. On. <laughs> That's why he sealed us, because the faith that he's given us, it is everlasting. The spirit that he's given us, it is eternal. <laughs> so, so of course, he sealed us until the day of redemption. And I believe that that day of redemption is when the body that have died, the physical death, is brought back from the grave and resurrected, redeemed from the corruptible earth to then see the Messiah and the Father. But, you know, again, looking at that faith, faith is a, is a spiritual gift that was a given uh, to us by God. He's given us that, that gift of faith, man, you know? And when we operate and walk the walk of faith, when we operate in the faith and walk the walk of faith, Who is getting glorified? It is God who's glorified. So James can say, and looking back at the justification of Abraham and looking at Rahab, her justification and her works and what uh, accounted uh, Abraham to be righteous in the sight of God, he being justified, it was the faith that did it, produced the good works of God It made it evident in that person's life that God was working for and through that individual. So they take absolutely no credit. We see the true sovereignty of God there, just right there. God working. So that's why James could say again, just as the body, the physical body without the spirit is dead. He shows the distinction. So faith, which is a spiritual gift, is dead without the works of faith working being produced through the vessel god is glorified in that he's glorified
2: man we done took over nate's stage we sorry nate we was just
3: yeah <laughs> <fellowship. laughs>
0: no, you're good you're good
3: yeah we're getting a sunday service on a friday
2: man, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, having that that conversation about him. And we try to tell people the reality of Jesus. We can't make them see it. But man, um, it's not something that we would trade. Is there anyone on the stage that would trade the love of God for a million dollars? It's a lot of money. Let's say a hundred million. Would you trade the love of God for that? i wouldn't i wouldn't
1: absolutely not absolutely.
2: no you can keep it um there's no pay go ahead bro Sint.
0: i think Sint had something to say
4: Sure. yes uh yeah good morning everyone uh grace and peace uh yeah you know real quick i'm at work right now so i can't be too long uh and i'm glad pastor sam is here i have a question for him also for you too as well Uh. nate um, I be hearing the uh, discourses between oneness and those who uh, believe in, in in the Trinity, right? And they go to Psalm 33 in verse six, which shows, as they say, that God, right, um, you know, all the three persons that uh, represents the Trinity are at work making all things, right? Psalm 33, they say, all three have made all things. The Father the Son and the Holy Spirit as well, the maker of all things. But however, when they go to John 1 and 1 to 1 and 3, where it says the word made all things, there was nothing made that was not made with the word, but they don't want to say the spirit could be the one that took on flesh. Why is that? So they go to, again, they go to Psalm 33 and say that the spirit made all things, but when they go to John 1 and 3, they don't want to say that that word is the spirit that made all things. So it, it just seemed like there is, uh, you know, um, they're just not being consistent uh, in their viewpoints. Because I believe the spirit, because they, look. All right, well, you have a good one. So if, if they were to say that Jesus is the one who came down from heaven, pre-existing Well, the spirit also came down from heaven pre-existing so i could say the spirit took on flesh is that right because the spirit made all things as you guys say based upon psalm 33 verse 6 no you could not say
0: the holy spirit made all things or became flesh Um, That's specifically jesus even in john 1 if you keep reading it keeps talking about the word made flesh uh or you know the word was with god and the word was god and we know the word is Jesus. The word is the son. And if you keep going down, it says nothing was made through him that has been made. So it's it's specifically like this is one of the things that I mean, unless you just say I'm ignoring all the writing on the paper, you, you can't dispute this. Like it, it's I mean, you can call it lies, I guess, or say it's corrupted, but you can't say it's it's <laughs> ambiguous. It, it specifically identifies Jesus and says everything is made and sustained through him.
4: Right, but you always, but you would agree that the Spirit made things as well, correct, made all things correct as well, right? I'd do chapter
0: and verse. The only thing that I can immediately think of is in, in Genesis where it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. It never says the Spirit made anything. It just says the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. So if someone wants to, oh. well, no, because when it says all, it means all. So it says, well, here, let's just read it. Let's go to John. Let's just go to John 1 real quick. Yeah. I'll get my Bible.
4: You know, because in my position, I do believe that right. the Spirit. Yeah, sure, good. Go um,
0: hang on, I'm just skimming down through this so I don't have to read like 50 verses.
4: Um, sure. Yeah, go because ahead and my talk whatever you're saying. The spirit... Sure, good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I said go ahead and finish up whatever you're saying. It sounded like you were yeah, saying something no, that I already.
4: Uh, yeah, because you no, know, see, my point is that the spirit. Uh, I do see the spirit very, very, important. Like you said, in the book of a, a Genesis, uh, he's present, hovering over the waters. So he is uh, in creation. He's also play a key role and a salvation as well. Uh, the spirit inspired the uh, prophets of old, uh, inspired them to uh, prophesy into that nature, gave them strength. And and also the spirit is talking in the book of Acts, so the spirit is very active. So it seems like the spirit uh, is the one trying to make himself known. So I do believe that he is the one who took one flesh, uh, and the one who Jesus is representing. So, so you wouldn't, so you would disagree that Psalm thirty three and verse six, the context shows uh, the Holy Spirit uh, is not uh, within that verse. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not in the verse of Psalm 33 and verse 6. Is that correct? Hang on. Let me go to Psalm 33 or fast. Sure. Because I hear um, um, I Psalm believe 33 it's, what? Uh, uh, Psalm 33 and verse 6. Because Brother Alby, he goes to that no. verse and well, says, well, 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 actually yes, go ahead. Well, I mean
0: first of all, whenever we're like super reading into stuff, I'm, there's very few hills I'm going to die on. But look at that. It says by the word of the Lord. Like Right. and then john one it says the word became flesh so i mean it identifies specifically the word but what we were saying earlier i mean it was kind of interesting I, I wouldn't push back too much on that if you're saying well <laughs> like if you don't disagree with john one how it says all things john one three were made right. through him um so if we're talking about material stuff like that and you're saying okay i believe the bible then I wouldn't push back super hard if you say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit inspired people to write the Bible. Therefore, work was produced. Therefore, look, he created something not in the Jesus created and sustains like everything in existence. I would make that really a distinction almost to the point of it's not worth mentioning. But um, if you want to say, yeah, you know, the Holy Spirit, like, you know, gave gave utterance to the prophets, gave them the, the words to say, gave them, you know, the in- influence, the inspiration. Then I'll say, okay, well, of course the Holy Spirit does stuff, but even Psalms 33, verse six, by the word, keep that in mind, by the word of right. the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth and all their hosts. Now let's go to John one, what I was, we were talking about a minute ago. I'm just going to read a few verses in Sorry. the beginning was the word. So Psalms 33, by the word of the Lord was everything made. John one, right. one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, In he was in the beginning with God all things were made through him so you know all means all and without him was not anything made that was made Right, and then it goes on in him was life and the life was the light of all men and the light shines in the darkness and darkness can't overcome it And we know in revelation like 19 or 21. It says the word uh, The word of God It's talking about Jesus in the second coming when he's like coming back in the heavens and everything And talks about the names written on him and everything and it says and his name was called the word of God So from Psalms to John to revelation the Word is Jesus Jesus
4: made and sustains okay, everything okay all right so so from what you just read in John one and one through verse three uh, where it says there was nothing made that was made where the word made all things right this whoever this word is, whichever person of the three that is Jesus that's, right well you know again well if we go to psalm uh, thirty um I believe it's psalm thirty three and verse four if, if I'm not mistaken where it says uh, "Job, give the account where he says, the spirit of God made me." Okay, so either, either you know, is 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 we we just can't have one person, right, making all things in which what you're trying to uh, uh, present, what you're saying Jesus is the one who made all things him exclusively. There was nothing made that was made without that word. Okay, so we have to incorporate uh, the Spirit in there, because again, Job speaks about that that he was made. Okay, and we do understand that the Spirit is the breath of life, making things, making things move. So. I, I just think that we just can't uh, definitively just uh, show that Jesus is the one who made all things yeah, by yeah, Himself. You the you Spirit has to be the, also in the picture, high. and the Spirit can be the one who also took on flesh, because Jesus absolutely says not. that these yeah. words are not my words, but, yeah, but I'm being told what to say and how to say it. Yeah, but you're not well, absolutely being, not. Wait, okay.
2: go ahead, Sam. You're not being. You're not being honest with the text you you're you're interjecting what you want to interject okay the the text said both texts that nate went to say the same thing the word right John elaborates on it even more and says that the word became flesh it doesn't it didn't say that the spirit became flesh But even when you go back to Psalms where you were, like the brothers said, it said that it was by the word of God and the breath of his mouth. And that's the Ruha. So so this breath of his mouth would still be the Holy Spirit, like the brothers are trying to tell you, which would be consistent again with John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with
4: God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. And so, what right. try... well, 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 the Holy Spirit and the Father are two separate persons, correct? Same God? Yes. What are you trying to say? Right. So I'm trying to say is that, you but know, there one, if it's one God, persons, when you say God, two, well, persons, at least well, two of them. God. So are you saying two came down from heaven? Two persons came down from say, heaven? So how can no. we tell which one took on flesh? No. You're,
0: You're being up to this, some this, purpose. Take
4: the
2: scripture for what it's saying. It didn't say two came down.
4: The description, well, the Holy Spirit. The, whole- well, 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 the context. If you have Jesus okay. pre-existing, okay, okay he so came this- down, and the Spirit came down after his baptism. So, are you saying two came down from heaven, or one came down from? All
2: right. Pay attention.
4: Pay attention.
2: <laughs> 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 the Holy Spirit, right, <laughs> came down in the form of the dove, if that's what you're talking
4: about. Yes, sir. That person came down. Yes, sir. The one who's talking in Acts who says separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have prepared for him. He came down. (laughs) Right.
2: Right. But he didn't come. He didn't come instead of the word. The scripture tells us that the word became flesh. And we can't take that and make that something else, brother. That's that's what I'm trying to relate to you. If you're going to do this stay congruent with what the text is saying the text didn't say that the spirit did it the text tells us that uh the word did it but let me do this for you let's let's just go ahead and 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 do this for you god is a spirit okay good morning have a good day so now i mean so that doesn't that doesn't change anything Well, all three of them. I mean, I I mean, all three parties are But see, all right. So it says of spirit, but if you go back and look at the text, it says God is spirit. So it's not. I'm not trying to to take away from who God is. It is who he is. Who he is. He is what his essence is. I've never seen God. You've never seen God. Right? Nor have I. (laughs) Nor have I. The description that we have in the Word is that. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. And we see
4: throughout the Right. And that's just my per- that that right. word was That's just my point. point. Which which person that that was that was up there pre existing, you know, which one of them, you know, took on flesh. Because again, I mean, you know, the word in John one one, it doesn't say Jesus, and you're right, it doesn't say that's No, Yeah,
0: oh,
5: okay,
4: represent-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop. This is this is painful. Okay. It clearly says it. Let me make one more attempt and then we're gonna move on because I I, sure. I
4: can't. Okay, sounds good. Yeah.
0: Okay, let me figure out how to unfreeze my computer. <laughs> Come on, computer, unfreeze. Right. Com- oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
0: right, be free. Okay, so the word became flesh, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Revelation 19, 13. Let's back up just so there's no ambiguity. Uh, the rider on a white horse... Um, Then I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Remember, that's the guy you're making mad right now. And by the name, and the name by which he is called is, say it with me, you know what I'm going to say. The Word Word of
4: of God. God. Yes.
0: And then look at Philippians 2.6. It talks about how, you know, he, Jesus, being completely equal with God in every way, uh, didn't consider equality something to be taken advantage of. Instead, he lowered himself and took the form of a servant. He became flesh. It says it all throughout the Bible. There's one more, Philippians 2.6. So he lowered himself, took the form of a servant, Jesus, not the Holy Spirit, Jesus. And then Jesus says, I am leaving, so I will send you the one that's coming after me. It will be a comforter. So Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit that's going to come be a comforter after Jesus goes away. So, yeah, we have to be we have to be done. There's no way. I mean, you can wait for this whatever you, you, you so much.
4: want? Right. Well, well, thank you so much, Nate. Yeah, you know, appreciate that. But I would I would just leave with this here. Uh, first Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the Spirit gets the word first. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate yeah, it.
0: Hey, lot, Chris. What's up, Chris? Left
4: hand lick right
5: there, man.
0: <laughs> well, well, well. You know. I mean, if Jesus Jesus forgave people while they murdered him, you know, we can give him the last word to make a little slight. But, uh, Chris, what's up, Chris? I mean, you know,
6: same old, same old.
0: Heretic's kind of heretic. Yeah, good to see Pastor
6: Sam. Good to see Brother Detroit. Good to see
2: you, man. Good to see you. What you rocking on this morning? You on your way to work? I'm eating breakfast. What
6: you have in Good to there? see you too, Chris. Yeah, man. Um, I am having a grilled chicken up and olive almond. Oh, nice. Um, huh.
0: you know my my uh, parents are in town this week visiting, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why my dad's like Burger King. Like, if if you like, hey, do you want like you know uh the the most amazing five star dinner or anything in between or Burger King? That's what he'll always pick. So uh my wife, <clears throat> she's like, <clears throat> what do you what do you want to do for Father's Day? I'm like, Oh that's what let my dad pick. She I'm like, I know what he's gonna pick. She's like, Oh, well, where do you think i would like to go? And she starts naming these really nice restaurants like seafood, like all this other stuff. Like, my parents are not these people. I'm like, I guarantee he's gonna pick Burger King. She's like, What? I'm like, Ask him I'm like, I won't say anything, ask him. He's like, Where do you wanna go? He's like, Well, you know, I of kinda like Burger King. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> So um I don't know what brought that up. Oh, yeah, you're fed a omelet thing. But, yeah, so our Father's Day dinner is going to be Burger King.
2: Man, that's amazing, man. That is beautiful. <laughs>
6: um, I had dinner with Pastor Mark last night and went to a service. Just
0: was fun. You know I'm not a leper, Chris. You could have sent me a text. I mean, he came to Orlando. Oh, never mind. <laughs> You were saying you came here.
2: Who'd you have dinner with?
0: Pastor Mark. Yeah, driving to Orlando.
2: Pastor is on here?
0: Yeah, the guy down there. Coat Bottom Mark.
2: That's cool, man. That's cool. I, I'm to see. I, I like seeing people in person uh, from... from uh,
6: I grew up in um, Baptist churches, so it was fun to go back to a Baptist church. And
2: What type of church do you attend now, bro?
6: It's
5: non-denominational.
6: Leaning reform. Did
2: you say non-denominational reform leaning? Correct. I- I've never uh, attended one of those before. That'll be a treat.
0: Yeah, it is Man? weird. I've never heard, like, most, most non-denominational ones... or Well, you say leaning... Okay, well, I mean, may- maybe leaning
6: reform, but yeah. Um, okay, never mind. I mean, we have, like, Arminian pastors. Like, my one of my favorite pastors is a raging Arminian who got his, uh, his Div from Princeton. Does it make you... Uh,
0: probably you're going to say this why he's Arminian. Does it make you a little... I don't know think a certain way if if people get their like theological degrees from somewhere other than like you know an avowed like you know christian institution like i don't know it just seems weird it's like if you're going to be a pastor i mean i mean there i guess there would be some sort of acceptable reasons but it's like you know if you go to like you know a a mainstream university that's not like you know a real like christian university or or seminary or focus on christianity um it just seems like you're going to get like a third rate world like you know Wisdom of man type education. Um, I mean, presumably, if you want to be a pastor, you already have the gospel anyway, which is, you know, ultimately what you need.
7: I don't know. Does that, does
0: that strike you as weird to get your credentials from somewhere other than like a Christian focused institution?
2: What do, so, you, what do you mean? What do you mean, Nate? I'm trying to understand when you well, say like, other things.
0: Like Princeton. Well, like he was talking about, like, yeah, like Princeton, like Princeton School of Divinity or something. It's like, you know, it's not a Christian university. Okay, it's very secular. I, I you saying. So it's like, I mean, I'm sure he had, I'm sure he had to like set through and endure like, you know, a wide range of like, you know, uh, world religions and like healing crystal crap. And I, I'm sure he got all kinds of like, you know, man's wisdom and like other religions that are not Christianity to like, you know, do his dissertation like you know pass his classes and get his credentials uh versus at a christian university there's like yeah all that's trash we're gonna focus on jesus let's learn everything about you know jesus and you know christianity and the bible and that versus you know people that are like i have my doctorate in divinity like yeah it's like please give me more manly wisdom <laughs> well there's no doctorate in divinity. but um so past- oh, oh, oh chris <laughs> i would have you know my my uh, neighbor has her her uh, doctorate in divinity. I will have you know. Uh, I may have to ask her about the school. I think it's somewhere in Arizona. But um, doctorate of divinity is a thing. You may not like it or recognize it, but the world
6: says it is a thing, and she's got one. Usually it's a THC just- or a DMIN. Those are the two I'm familiar with. I mean, I'm not saying there's not other doctorate programs out there, but... Those the, the demon are the ones that I'm... Yeah, you know, right? But, um, so Pastor Josh has a unique story. He grew up independent fundamentalist Baptist, um, and his dad was an independent fundamentalist Baptist pastor, and he wanted to challenge himself um, and remain in the faith. And so he chose Princeton, A, because he's got like 140 IQ, but B, because he wanted to be challenged on his belief system. And he thoroughly was. And he came out the other side, an evangelical Christian that, you know, still believes in inerrancy.
0: Yeah. And I'm trying to, I mean, I'm trying to thread the needle a little bit, <clears throat> but I mean, you know, from, from a Christian perspective, um, well, first of all, I mean, you know, any, any like formal, you know, worldly recognized education is, is whatever like it's not necessary to lead people to faith in Christ under the Christian paradigm. It's, it's wholly unnecessary. So the, the only benefit I see is just, you know, uh, extra education with increasingly diminishing returns. Like you learn more about history you learn more about textual criticism. You learn more about stuff, uh, but you've already, you've already like graduated, right? By the time you enroll in school, you've already graduated, you know, with the ultimate point in Christianity. That, that's what I'm saying. So it's like if you go somewhere that doesn't have a, a focus on Christian theism, then it just seems like extra diminishing returns. Maybe that still didn't come out right. Maybe I just have a problem with authority, Chris. I don't know. What do you think? I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs>
6: the
0: thing about well, it, I it mean, just, like, to be fair, go, Jesus yeah, kind of yeah. did too, right? I mean, you know.
6: Well, you know, except for God is authority Well, yeah, he has the
0: authority, but Uh, you know, like the authority Oh my gosh, go answer that phone for them. I mean, you know, like the authority of man and, you know, people who are like, no, you cannot come into the temple. Oh, you can come into the temple Oh, I don't know, man's authority God's authority I mean
6: I think you can go to any institution and do well, like you know I guess if I decided to Moved to New Jersey and go to Princeton. I could probably still come out and, and evangelical, and I would just spend my time arguing with professors. But you know, I think you can go to any institution and do well as long as you're willing to listen to the stuff that they have to say and then synthesize it with what you. Are. Well, yeah, it wasn't that you can't do
0: well. Um, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like uh, I don't know. There, there's a there's maybe a correspondence to fervor. Like, if you're going to be someone very, very passionate and very, very, like, I don't know, John the Baptist-esque or very Paul-esque, um, you're probably not going to come out of some, like, big worldly institution. That that was all I was trying to say. Clearly, I've missed the mark. Um, it seems like, you know, you'll come out of, like, I don't know, some, like, total Christian seminary at best and maybe out of the woods eating locusts at worst. Um just preaching,
6: repent, the end is near. I mean, this is why I read liberal theology, is because I want to know what the critique is of my theology. And so if I read liberal theology, it's more useful to understand more about my.
0: Yeah, that would be one of those valid points I was saying. Like, I'm not saying it's, you know, there aren't good reasons for it. It just seems like, eh, makes me, I don't know, take a second look. And then after the second look, maybe I'm like, okay, fine. Cool reason. Cool story.
5: Uh.
6: Yeah, so, um, it's not that there's one father and two sons. We say that the son is eternally generated from the father and the spirit is spirated from <laughs> the father and the son. Is he answering chatter? Is he having this
0: conversation yeah, with someone yeah, at the diner? Are
8: you
2: talking to someone who you're, time eating time. While you're eating your
0: omelet with? You're like, God is three persons yet one God. Like oh, the whole diner is like, bro, we're just eating some eggs. <laughs> Chris, you want to want to explain that?
2: He up at dinner and asked for the three grand slam.
6: Yeah, no, I was just reading the chat and responding to that. Sorry. No. Oh. <laughs>
2: Three eggs, three bacon, and three (laughs) pancakes.
6: Calvinists are not so bad when they don't say anything. I guess that's true, but...
2: Man, I'm telling you, man, that brother, he, he he's still in the chat, Nate. He can't help it, man. He's still over there
0: wrestling with
2: with the Trinity.
0: I don't get it, man. Like, I I don't. Well, I mean, did it turn into the Trinity? Like, from the the Holy Spirit is totally the Word made flesh, even though the Bible like directly con- like contradicts that. And then it just turned into the Trinity. Right. And see, you know what? Like, like goodness, we're all over the place. We need to get all these people in a room and just make them sit and listen to each other (laughs) because we'll have conversations one day that uh, addresses what we have the next day with different people and vice versa. So like the other day, you know, they were talking about very, very obscure stuff in the Bible. Like, Oh, your Bible doesn't speak to this. How can you know? Like the implication being, Oh, your Bible doesn't talk about this incredibly complex subject that has nothing to do with your salvation. Um, and therefore you don't know anything even about the important parts of your Bible that it speaks plenty about. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's fallacious. Um, And now today we meet the other side of the coin where it's like, well, where does your Bible say this? How do you know this? And it's like, well, here it says plenty about it. I mean, you know, from Psalms to John to revelation to Philippians to like the entire Bible speaks a lot about the topic we were talking about today. Um, But now they still find a way to, to, I mean, completely, do the opposite of what it says like they're they're taking the opposite of what it's telling you when there is no uh good way uh, no no way you can mistake this um unless you're just being you know willfully trying so um proof positive people will find a way to do what they want to do no matter what um so you know if the bible doesn't talk about a subject because it doesn't matter they're like oh how can you know anything if the Bible says a lot about a subject, they're like, well, I see it, I see it says exactly the answer to my question I'm asking, but uh, no, it doesn't. I'm like, what? Like, no, it doesn't say what it says. I'm like, So people are going to do what they want to do. Hey, Random, what's up, Random? How are you? Morning. Morning, what's on your mind?
3: Not much. I just woke up.
6: Okay.
0: Well, let us know if you have anything to say. So, Chris, any meetings or crawling through attics or anything like that today? No, not today. I got,
6: I got one meeting. It's going to be good fun. We're reprogramming the uh, Counseling Center phone system. Sounds fun. Sounds fun. But I'll be out of here in a few minutes, and hey, I wanted to talk about it. what's going on at the SBC. We'll talk about it.
0: What else is going on in the SBC? I mean, S- S- is it not painful for me to talk oh. right now? The- I mean, no one else has anything to say, so There's
2: go for what's it. What's going on at the FCC?
0: Yes, BC.
3: Yeah, they're expelling churches that have women pastors, from what I'm seeing.
2: Oh, the the Baptist Convention. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, well, hey, I ain't mad at them. I mean, I'm not against women being women, but I mean, you know, it's okay. uh, uh, The organization is trying to hold to Scripture best they know how. And I would rather take my chances with. With the women being upset and actually having to face that coming into eternity that I was ordaining women to be pastors, and that's not a biblical premise. It's really just not a biblical premise. I'm not against people, you know, being capable of doing whatever, but, you know, to carry that title pastor is fact. Go, you don't have to Google this. You can go and, and, and search your concordance. You will not find the statement woman of God in the Bible at all. It's not there. It's a term that we use, but it's not a biblical term. Yep. Um, give
6: me a minute.
2: So now I said that I'm not a hypocrite though I I know some women pastors I like them they they you know they nice people. <laughs>
0: so if they're like uh, Pastor Sam I'm a pastor woman um do you think that's biblical? You would say <laughs> no. Listen <laughs> Pastor Sam you're you're hurting my feelings why are you so hateful and bigoted Pastor Sam <laughs> like, why are you well? sexist?
2: <laughs> right but don't say well, what does your Bible say that that's only. Yeah. Uh, What does your Bible tell you to do? See, here's here's part of the problem that we face. A lot of women are leaving off the description of what charge they have been called to, to try and fulfill the role that God gave to the man. That's a problem.
7: It's a problem.
0: Hey, Ezra, what's up? Hey, Nate,
7: how you guys doing?
6: Good. Uh I'm pretty.
7: I just got a question uh, in, the, uh, in the in the uh, hierarchical uh, rankings of uh, positions inside the church is a um, is a pastor above a prophet or. Can you guys explain that? Is it? I mean, what's the what's the rank? Is it like is it like uh member, prophet, pastor, minister? So is, is there some sort of like hierarchical structure that you could maybe explain Wait. to me?
3: So I don't believe my church doesn't have any prophets walking around. No, I mean, I'm talking houses. about in the Bible, in the Bible. Oh, in the Bible, okay. Yeah. Uh,
7: see, I, so, I see.
0: So to compare apples and apples, I, oh, apples gone. To compare apples and apples, like I don't even know how to rightly do that. Like if you're talking about when there were prophets, um, and then there would be priest. Yeah. So like, uh, uh, well, like Levitical priest versus prophet. Like back when, when both existed, which would be a higher rank. I don't even. I don't think the Bible even does
6: the Bible even talk really about that. that. Like prophet is an office outside of the hierarchical structure of Israel, right? So, like in the church, there are only two positions given. There's elder slash overseer slash bishop, whichever whichever word you prefer, versus deacon. And so, elders would be over deacons, and then there's everybody.
0: yeah so like i i besides us just like kind of guessing like i don't think like if you want to take the priest aaron and compare him to elijah like which one carries a bigger smiting stick well i mean i guess by the works they did probably elijah but i don't know if that's a yeah there's no real real biblical way to answer that i mean we can guess or have like you know marvel versus capcom or godzilla versus mothra but um Anyways, for the actual answer, it doesn't matter because there are no prophets now. So, um, yeah, you've got what Chris said.
7: Okay, I got you. Because, like, it you know, it talks about like uh, Anna, who was the daughter of. Uh, uh, Luke. Huh?
6: You, you just so, broke
7: up. We didn't. So she, I mean, like Anna in the Book of Luke, she was a, she was a prophet, and therefore. I would assume that she was teaching, that she was a prophesying, that she was instructing people, instructing men. But that wouldn't be equivalent to a that wouldn't be equivalent to a, uh, that be equivalent to a, uh, a woman minister today. No, people, not. Well,
2: well, see One thing about Israel, I try to you know, we try to tell. I I don't want to use the term "you people," but. We try to explain to you when you you have when you have (laughs) when you have the stance that you have, you you say you're to not only, but then you start trying to interpret the New Testament from your point of view. You cannot. You're not going to do a good job of it because you're not taking all of what we know. All right. So Jesus ushered in a whole new covenant with that covenant he ushered in a whole uh, way of, of teaching right so when he's teaching his his leadership when he was he had the 12 disciples this was the leadership these were the people who were going to take the church over when he left and he told them that uh the world exercises hierarchy over one another but among you, he that is, wants to be greatest will be servant to all." So we're not, uh, our, our, our organization is not, we don't have a hierarchy. We, we share in this that God has given us and the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And the scripture said, <clears throat> in New Testament scripture, he had caused us to sit together in heavenly places. So no, there's no hierarchy. And to the thing about you talking about the woman, that woman would have been prophesying outside of the New Testament, or when I say the New Testament, outside of the, the church realm, from what you're talking about in Luke, that that was not under the, the uh, umbrella of the apostles after Christ.
7: okay so you're saying that there are no more prophets or anything like that no i didn't say that i thought nate said that well
6: Well,
7: i don't believe when
2: when i say when i go ahead chris if you you and i can come back i'm not okay when i say prophets there are prophets to the church that, that are that are for the church age The prophets that you're talking about, Old Testament prophecy, that prophecy was intended to bring us to Christ, and it fulfilled its purpose. And now everything that we do as believers is based on that foundation of the apostles and the prophets, those Old Testament prophets and the things they prophesied were fulfilled in Christ. And our message, at the foundation of our message, are those prophecies and the the uh, and the testimony of those who walked with Jesus, those apostles. Now, when it comes to like what I said, uh, uh, I'm just going with the scripture says, and I've experienced it. Uh, that spirit that is is in the church. There are people who, church, like when the apostle Paul in the book of Acts. When he was uh, going to go somewhere, and one of the prophets, he picked up a, a garment of Paul's and said, the person that wears this is going to experience X, Y, and Z, okay? He wasn't prophesying to the nation, but the Spirit of God was on him to prophesy within the church. Those people still exist. I've seen them, and I've seen some genuine people like that. But we don't go—okay, let me say we don't go around— um, you know, we're not well. I can't say what everybody does. The only thing I'm saying is they exist, but it's not like Old Testament prophecy.
3: Yeah, Pastor, you're you're so cordial with your words, always trying to qualify. You know, and that that's what you need as a pastor as well. You're you're so careful with your words. I wouldn't say that I'm a continuationist, although I do agree. I have seen miracles. I have seen. Um, I guess not in the same sense as you see in the Bible, but prophecies be delivered in that sort of sense. But we, we don't live in an apostolic age anymore where we do have these people out here healing people um, like Isaiah was, right? And, and that's something that also gets me kind of mad. When you go into Clubhouse and you see all these people named prophetess, <laughs> X, Y, and Z, it's like you would not want to be sawed in half like Isaiah did. You would not want to be stoned to death like all these prophets were. Like that kind of gets me upset. But
2: just it, to... it, it's trendy to be an apostle and a prophet. It's trendy. I mean, hey, Apostle Sam. Now <laughs> we're just have gonna start calling you Apostle Sam now. For now long <laughs> long I'm not gonna take it from you. I take it from the other people. I ain't gonna take it from you, Chris. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> wait, wait. I got a better one. A better one. Apostle Mark.
7: A <laughs> am apostle apostle true
2: <laughs> right that's about the size of it anybody in their grandmother can be an apostle now and if you have the right charisma you can get people to follow you and call you apostle and give you money hey i'm telling you
6: hey i'm still offended you ain't got your cash app in your profile come on now
2: I'm gonna wait till I get big like you.
6: <laughs> Maybe bigger around the way. Yeah.
7: <laughs> so, so if there's no more uh, profits and things like that, and and uh, this is like my uh, final question, I just want to see what you guys think about the scripture. Then Joel two, twenty-eight thirty-two. Uh, Concerns on that because uh,
2: say that again. You broke up. You
7: broke. Up. Okay. So if there are no more prophets, like, like you said, uh, Pastor Sam, there's no more prophets in general, but they're like personal prophets. I think that's what you were alluding to. I can give you some sort of personal prophecy. What do you make of Joel 2, 28, 32? Uh, what, what do you make of that? Like If you read that, how would you uh, explain that or exergete that? is joe 2 and what joe
6: 2 joe 2 28 here i'll just read it pastor and then you can respond. all right okay so here's the and i will be afterwards it and it will be afterwards that i will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions Even on the male slaves and female slaves, I will in those days pour out my spirit. And I will put wonders in the sky, on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. And the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of Yahweh comes. And it will be that everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem... There will be those who escape, as Yahweh has said, even among the survivors whom Yahweh calls. So, good. I mean, you can respond to that.
7: Yeah, and my question is, also, um, has it already happened or is that a future prophecy?
6: I mean, I believe it's both, but I don't know where Pastor Sam falls. Well, Sam, maybe it works. So I'll just go ahead and give my answer, and then Pastor Sam can chime in. Just basically, what we see here is a two two tier prophecy. We have one that is uh, the first part of it is fulfilled during Pentecost in the Book of Acts, and the second part of it will be fulfilled. Um, you know, we talk about the great and terrible day of the Lord or the great and terrible day of Yahweh is the second coming of Christ, and so. Um, we're going to see uh, a a different uh, outpouring of how God deals with people uh, in those very last days. Um, what What we would call the tribulation as further revealed in the book of Revelation. So the seven year tribulation. And again, it depends on what eschatology you take. This is why it gets complicated. Israel is that different Christians are going to have different takes on eschatology. So You know, my particular take on eschatology is a pre-millennial, pre-trib take. You're going to have other people that are amillennial, and you're going to have other people that are post-millennial. So there's just, there's a whole mix of theologies, and you're going to get a bunch of different answers from a bunch of different Christians. So I just wanted to elucidate that to you, that, you know, my personal opinion is that, um, you know, given the interpretation of this verse, and I've actually studied these verses before um that the first part of it was carried out at pentecost because it's actually it's actually quoted at pentecost right um in acts um and then um the second part of it where you know there's major destruction and survivors and all that stuff that is a future that's a far future prophecy does that make
7: sense Uh, yeah i understand what you're saying so you then is that then this doesn't uh the the two uh, events one where he's pointing out his spirit and the other the other event where you're talking about where he talks about uh, destruction you think there's a separate event and they don't go they don't coincide with each other
6: correct because we see that so in pentecost right that this particular passage is quoted by peter right in his sermon
7: yeah i saw that mm-hmm.
6: yeah yeah mm-hmm, in acts 2 so obviously the world didn't end You know, we're still here. So like, you know, there weren't uh, there weren't these uh, apocalyptic events that occurred at that time. And so, you know, the logical idea here is that this would be two separate events. But there are people who take it as one event. There are people that say that the destruction of Jerusalem um, would be uh, the, you know, apocalyptic events. Um, in this verse. So there are people that are, you know, I'm partial preterist, but there are partial preterists that would take this as a literal fulfillment at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So there you
7: go. All right, Chris, uh, thank you. So for clarity, because part of it didn't
0: come to pass, then it's probably a two-part prophecy is that what you said
6: yeah i mean that's that's one of the views um another view is that it did come to pass at 70 ad um and and i don't have a problem with that view i mean you know there there are really good arguments on both sides um for both views and another view is that none of it has come to pass which i don't that doesn't make any sense to me because it's quoted literally by peter um you know and then another view is that uh the uh, the end prophecy is for a different event inside of the millennial kingdom, like that's so. Th- there's there's a bunch of different takes on it. I think that the most reasonable take exegetically um, is going to be either all of it has come to pass or part of it has come to pass.
3: Yeah, I would subscribe to a partial preterist view, especially when it comes to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. I do see that. I do read Revelation. I do see John, you know, right into an immediate audience in which things are soon to take place, for example. But, you know, I I can be convinced eschatology is one of those doctrinal issues that I, I can just hear debates from all sides and one day, like when I have a bad day, I'm pre-millennial. When I have a okay day, I'm a millennial. When I have a really good day, you know, I'm feeling more, more post-millennial that day. So, <laughs> you know, it really depends.
6: Yeah. I mean, and and look, all three of those views are within what we call the pale of orthodoxy. So, you know, people really get hung. If you want to have a really contentious clubhouse room, go take a stand on any of the eschatological positions and publish it out on Clubhouse, and you're going to have 400 people in there, every one of them wanting to argue you to the death. You know? I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. So, like, that's... I I shy away from eschatology for that reason. Um, I really don't think it matters. I think that, uh, you know, future events are going to be happening in the future. That is something that I could care less about because I'm living today in the present.
0: Well, so you, Rob...
5: Rod. Hey, fellas. God bless you all. Um, I, I, I would have to chime in with everything you guys are saying. When you can see the view from different positions and all of them have great points, it's one of those where it's not really one you want to die on your, that hill. <laughs> you just say, well, you know, I see what you're saying. This is what I believe. And we all have to be convinced within ourselves of what we believe. But uh, someone said something earlier that I, I heard just last night, and it, would, it was kind of a difficult passage. Um, it's in Hebrews where um, the writer says that, um, how does it go, um, that, it's let me see. Do you know the address um, brother? I, I can't even word it right. It's like the scriptures the, the covenant has not been fulfilled because of I'll I have to get back with you on it. And it it it's one of those where like I said, I just heard it last night and it seemed to chime in with the seventy A D when the temple was uh was torn down, which allowed for the um the New Testament covenant to go ahead and to go into full effect versus you, with,
6: I know you're talking about. So you Albie heard it last night also, given, Pastor. Okay, mm-hmm, in our room so, I was saying that. Okay, yeah. You were saying no,
2: I don't think you were saying, it. I think no, was a, saying I, I thought that was faithful in, in our room.
5: I think that was faithful who said that,
2: and this uh, guy was in the room uh, making a statement about. Hebrews and saying that the New Testament hadn't taken place because uh, he was reading where it says the old is ready to vanish away. And and faithful was trying to explain to him that the reason why I say it is ready to vanish away is at the time that the writer of Hebrews was writing, the temple was still standing. And that after the, after the total destruction of the temple, then that would be the end of those, uh, ceremonies that went with.
5: Thank you, right? brother and, Chris. That was right on time, brother. Appreciate you. That's exactly what I heard last night. And it tend, it tends to kind of line up with what we we're talking about as far as, you know, uh, partial uh, fulfillment. Because when Jesus died on the yeah. cross, the blood was shed. But then 70 years later, I mean, it kind of makes it full effect, so to speak. Well, and
6: <clears throat> I mean, I kind of disagree with a few of the things that I heard last night in terms of the covenant. The Mosaic covenant is broken. Um, God doesn't break His covenants. Um, God fulfills His covenants, and you know, there's n- I, I don't see anything in Scripture that says the Mosaic covenant is broken. They meant what I see a, is
8: the yeah, one right? a, So
6: what I yeah yeah, so what I see is that you know Jesus by living a perfect life, fulfilled the Mosaic Covenant in terms of he lived a perfect life and that perfect life is imputed to us. So every single one of us is judged according to the Mosaic Covenant, okay? Because again, God doesn't break his covenants. So every one of us is judged according to the Mosaic Covenant. The difference with imputed righteousness is that we are judged not on our own fulfilling of the Mosaic covenant, but on Jesus's fulfilling of the Mosaic covenant. And so when God looks at us, this is something called alien imputed righteousness. And what that means is that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he took our sins in his body, 1 Peter two twenty four, he who had no sin became sin on our behalf, um, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, And, you know, that exchange, his perfect life for our sin, is where our salvation comes from. And so he perfectly fulfilled the Mosaic Covenant, and by extension, every single one of us is judged according to the Mosaic Covenant and found righteous because we are found righteous with the righteousness of Christ. Does that make sense?
5: It really does. In fact, it's almost tomato-tomato. I know what you're saying in the sense of fulfill versus done away with. I agree totally with the verbiage that you laid out. I think uh, when people say, um, you know, completed or done away with, they're, they're trying to voice or say the same thing you're saying. But there is a difference. I understand what you're saying. But when you do see animal sacrifices have stopped, it's ended. We don't do it anymore. No it's like you pointed out. Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. So it is, it, when it's done away with, you know, you can see it's been done away with. We're not doing that anymore. But, you know, that's where um, the final words that you're using will come into play. So I can appreciate the way you're laying it out. But I think the layman who don't have those big $10 words, which I'm trying to get from you guys, <laughs> i I, I I don't say is anything wrong with it. I just, you know, I understand people can they use different terminologies, but I think they mean in the same thing as probably.
7: Uh, yeah, and uh, to explore this a little further because I'm, I'm kind of hearing something different. Because yesterday I was in a room with a, uh, a Hebrew Israelite uh, Christian, and he said that he said we're not living under the new covenant right now. We won't be under the new covenant until the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. There aren't any Hebrews. Are saying, we're already under the, under the covenant.
6: I mean, according to the book of Hebrews, that just, that's not true. Like I just, I, I mean, right, right. That's just what I, I, I took it. it the book of Hebrews yeah.
7: 8 and 9. Even, eight, even 9 says that at the death, death of the tester, then the, uh, the testament comes in, into effect. So the testator in that uh, instance was uh, Jesus and Jesus died. So then that means that the Testament or that covenant would have come into effect immediately.
8: Yeah. What a lot of the, a lot of the different uh, ideas out there do is they, what they do is they go into a private interpretation of scripture per se, which is you guys know there is no private interpretation of scripture.
6: Right. it's not subject to us i mean <clears throat> like the art and science of hermeneutics is how the old testament writers and the new testament writers understood scripture is that they took it um literally um and they uh, but they still understood the literary devices that are being used and so we do the same thing and so when we're trying to you know, figure out what a passage means, the only correct interpretation is what the author meant by that passage, not, you know, oh, this is allegory for this, or we can take this or there's two different meanings. There are some dual prophecies in the Old Testament, for instance, um, the most famous of which is uh, um, Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah seven, right? The in the virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. And um, That's, that's what we call a dual fulfillment prophecy, but what we want. And the reason that is that way is because the new Testament writer shed more light on what that prophecy meant. than Isaiah knew. Okay. So, but what, right. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're trying to decipher what the author's intent is. So we have to study culture and we have to study, um, you know, context and audience and geography and history, um, because those things, as we move further afar, afield from the writers of the new Testament and the old Testament, we have to put ourselves in their shoes culturally and geographically to understand some of the things that they're truly talking about. And so this is why people are studying second temple Judaism so much. This is why people are studying, um, you know, the, the culture of the Middle East and, you know, why that's important to understand some of the parables of Jesus correctly. Um, these are all things that we include in a proper use of hermeneutics to understand the scripture.
8: But I do want to point out your first point in more clear, precise way, and simply putting that what you said was we must use scripture to back up or explain scripture
6: oh 100 so the easier passages of scripture the things that are really clear we use those to interpret the things that are less clear and that is one of the rules of proper biblical interpretation so you know pastor mark down there um and i have been teaching a class pardon me i've been teaching a class on wednesday nights on hermeneutics by using dr howard hendricks's book living by the book there's a book in a workbook um and it is a really good study on the proper use of hermeneutics and it's a basic hermeneutics book if you get past that and you still have some questions um one of the other books that i've read that's really good is called the, the hermeneutics of the biblical writers um, and that's another really good resource to understand more complex ideas like dual prophecy or the difference between meaning and significance etc
3: Hey, Chris, is that room on Clubhouse? Man, you, you, you said you was going to have me
6: invited on this thing. You, you,
3: why did I need oh, not uh, I'm i sorry, Pastor Sam. I did want to ask Chris, is that room on Clubhouse that you're teaching? It is.
6: Yeah, so, so oh, okay. if you look in my profile or in Pastor Mark's profile, Pastor Sam, I did okay. invite you, man. You but you've been, you, you were busy me. sometimes.
2: Center, Rich oh,
6: man. <laughs> well, if I overlooked you, Pastor, I really apologize. I thought I invited everybody. But. Maybe I
2: got it. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I, didn't I may not have recognized it. I'm just messing with you. So
6: it was, um, it was on Wednesday nights and I think you're teaching Wednesday nights, like at your church, right?
2: Yeah, I, yeah, that's what it was. We were, yeah, that's we what were it was. Yep. Yeah, because I remember
6: talking about it and you were like, well, I'm going to be teaching during that time. And I was like, well, okay. Right. You can't, you both.
2: <laughs> so, but, I'll try to, uh, I can see, because we're not, we're not doing the the teaching thing now, but uh, so send me an invite Wednesday.
6: Well, this Wednesday is our last session, so.
2: I'm late, I'm late now, I
0: have to go back and. Catch those replays. Yeah,
6: Yeah, the replays are really good, and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if you start with the first replay, um, Pastor Mark wrote a full curriculum for this for this book that has not been done before i didn't realize that there were not full curriculums out there to teach through the book in 12 weeks and pastor mark wrote a custom curriculum that you guys can all follow um, by downloading the handouts and it gives you page numbers and all that stuff so that on the back end even though the class isn't live you can still just benefit from the
2: so he had the uh the pdfs at the top on the link yes sir Oh, that's cool. Well, I've done that in a class or two. Matter of fact, I need
8: to go do it now. Get ready for it. <laughs> Chris. You said the hermeneutics by the biblical writers. Is that what you said?
6: Uh, hermeneutics of the biblical writers by Dr. David Chow. Is he? That's a little bit more advanced. That's a pretty academic book. Like that's a that it's a textbook for a master's degree class.
3: Yeah, I, I remember Chris. Um, you, you gave me such a good resource on libertarian free will, love, freedom, and evil. Does authentic love require free will? By that's it, is J Williams, I believe. That was so helpful. So, if you guys really do need like good resources on partic- particular topics,
7: like Chris, he's the man for that. Well, well, I can tell you guys what I would like to see. You, um, undone, like you. your, uh, I was talking to, to some of your uh, Hebrew Israelite Christian brothers. Man, look, and they are totally different. Say, uh, let me let me finish. It, you, you made this statement a
2: minute ago, and I want to make it. Let, real,
7: me, real. let, me, let me let me finish my no,
2: question. Sir, I mean, as Hebrew Israelite Christians, it does not exist because no, the foundation that foundation of Hebrew Israelism is a deception, and okay. the, the Christ's foundation cannot be placed right. at t- in a deception. So now you can use the term because you're an adult, but I'm letting you know there's no such a career as a Hebrew-Israelite Christian. There are only Hebrew-Israelites, which you are one of them, and all y'all go together in the same part.
7: Now, I'm not a Hebrew-Israelite. But listen, though, I was saying, I was talking to one of your Hebrew because, you know, I don't accept the a uh, New Testament. I, I, I just want to have a dialogue. I don't want to get into... Contention. I was what I was wanting to state was, I was talking to one of your Hebrew Israelite Christian brothers, and I would like. I was wondering if you guys could have a like a debate, talking about Hebrews eight and nine, because he was under the impression, and and I agree with you guys. I was even though I don't accept the New Testament, I said that according to the New Testament, then the New Covenant would have taken effect immediately upon the death of Christ, because uh, he was the testator, and so that the covenant the uh, the Covenant. I mean, sorry, the testem- testament or, or the covenant would have come into effect after his death, or therefore, or almost immediately after his death. I don't know how that really works, but it wouldn't be thousands of years later. And because he said that they're waiting, and now the Christians are waiting for Christ to return to enforce the new covenant. But uh, I, I, didn't, I disagreed because, according to the, what the scriptures read, and it was plain as day for me to see it. And I was wondering why he couldn't see it. So, And I, I, and I told him, I said, you you are going against, you know, a myriad of your Christian brothers. And he said, well, he didn't care because you guys didn't know what you were talking about. So I was wondering, mm-hmm. like, if you guys start a room and uh, invite. well, Like,
6: who, who are these person. cats, man? Like, I mean, I, like, I know there's Joel a bunch
7: of and, and Joel like, and There uh, was Joel and they're the, the sons of thunder. And Pastor, you yeah. know these guys, right?
2: Joel. Yeah, I know, because I know they hate me.
6: Yeah, Joel is a Hebrew he's Israelite? Yeah. Well, I'm confused. He's a, he's a I, know. I, I didn't know Joel.
2: No, Joel resurrected. What? He calls himself resurrected. Oh, it's a different oh,
6: oh, no, no, it's than that Joel okay. I'm okay.
7: thinking okay.
6: of. Yeah. I mean, I just yeah. don't That's know the... these guys, dude. So, like, I mean, if you want to get them in a room somewhere, like, you'd have to ping them in, because
7: I don't even know who these guys are. Pastor, you're friends with them, right? Uh, we're not friends we are associated uh on here. I mean you know them. I was just, I was just even, I'm not even sure if he's following me anymore. <laughs> I mean I, I definitely follow you because Pastor, you know you're my boy there. Yeah we I mean not boy. You're, you're the you're the you. guy. We're pretty cool on, on, on other that <laughs> when we get off these I, other platforms. Like, I like you. I really do. You you yeah, same here.
2: But here's here's one of the things that's funny about you uh uh Brother True you can see the scripture and how plain it is in the New Testament, yet you will not submit to Christ. It's an amazing thing. You're going to miss out on the love of God trying to uh, uh, get to heaven on your own, brother. And so I just continue to invite you to submit yourself to the love of God. That's the only thing that's going to save you.
7: Man, I really appreciate that. But but I really, honest with you, I really do feel the love of God in the Tanakh. I can see it. Well it's it's not it's David passed for a his people. it's not a feeling. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Uh,
2: uh unless you experience the encounter that comes from true repentance to God through Christ Jesus, you haven't experienced the love of God at all. That's what that's what Jesus told Nicodemus, because Nicodemus thought he felt it too, and he said, You you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You haven't been born again, sir. So Whatever you're feeling, that's nice, but you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to see the need to repent from rejecting Christ. If you don't see the need to repent from rejecting Christ, my friend, as much as we are uh, have g- great camaraderie, I have to tell you, you will die in your sins. Amen. Well,
3: well, thank you, uh,
7: Pastor. Yeah, because I but I do repent. I repent when I sin, when I fall, and uh, I do have a for forgiveness from the Father. But um, again, I, I thank you guys for letting me come up. I'm going to bow out now. Because um, I, I actually, when I came in here, I just wanted to cool down a little bit because I just finished cutting my grass. Um, you know, when you get no when you get old, it's, it gets more and more difficult. <laughs> That's when, so, you um, hire,
2: that's when you hire somebody, true.
7: You know, that's how you. That's how you stay in shape, Pastor. That's how you stay in shape. You got to get out there and do it. Oh well, yeah, I get that now. I'm not going. I'm you, know, not. you know, you know, well, you yeah, know. How many about men in their
6: fifties die from cutting their grass? It's a lot.
7: <laughs> I know it's even worse. Men in their sixties. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> even worse for guys like me. But, uh, I take my chances. Uh, because, you, know, you know, I want to enjoy a good hamburger every now and then. Y'all almost scared
5: me because I'm in my 50s and I cut my grass.
7: Now you're making me rethink. Yeah.
5: No, no, no. Keep doing it, brother. My Just 60s. go to your doctor. Make sure you ain't got no blockages. All right. It's, that's what I wanted to hear right
7: there. Keep doing it, brother. You, you'll, you, know, I'm in my 60s and I still do it. So, you know, once you stop, I, I think that then you, you'll probably quit. But anyway guys thanks a lot I appreciate it you guys have, have a great day God bless the brother he had brought up a good point
5: uh, as far as the Hebrew Israelites and their discussions of trying to make it uh, a church I like something that uh, the pastor or one of y'all have responded to him with it's It's uh, they're not the church, even if they were trying to maintain, say, uh, Romans 11 as Israel, Israel and then the Gentile church. I don't know. But from what I can see, it is there are differences. We're not a replacement theology. Or do y'all agree with that? Yeah, I, I reject replacement theology.
3: Hey man, I feel like I'm in, in good company. So what what what's the difference between replacement theology and covenant theology? That's a really good question,
6: Nate. I feel like you just haven't said anything in like an hour.
0: I know. I'm banging my head against my keyboard. I'm trying to do some work, and I don't know, man. It's hard. Like you know, when you guys talk about like deep stuff, I just sit back and listen because you know if it's not like something super like you know your God's god's lie and he's also evil I, I don't know there's certain things that like hit my triggers for things i want to talk about um this stuff i'm just like yeah kind of like you and eschatology right it's like you know i have my kind of kind of views of it but you know take it or leave it you know some of it could not be correct some of it could be um it doesn't matter right like as long as we have jesus and we're on the right side of this thing it doesn't matter what happens um you know I'm not going to be like, oh, I was wrong about that. i like, oh, <laughs> I have eternal life in Jesus. I don't care about that stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I happen to think pre-trib, rapture, things like that. You know, millenni- <clears throat> the new heaven and new earth. <clears throat> are we, one moment, let me die. This is also why I've been on mute a lot. <clears throat> you get to hear that one. So it's like, you know, are we are we temporarily spirited away while this earth is cleansed by fire and then it's regrown and we're like put back here on this physical earth reborn or is it a new earth that comes in like skin suits this one and wraps over it like a car cover uh like vinyl um or are we just straight up in in heaven in some way else the new new heaven new earth makes sense i don't know or care um i'm where jesus is that's all that matters and then if we want to say well technically for a thousand years jesus is somewhere else and we're i i don't care i don't care (laughs) i have eternal life i'm good anyway that's that's why i've been kind of quiet
6: Fair. So the difference between replacement theology and covenant theology, um, it depends uh, wholly on what you determine the church is. So in the Roman Catholic um, idea, the church is an institution over and above the individuals that make it up. Okay, and so uh, the church itself is a replacement for Israel in the Roman Catholic sense. And this is where you get replacement theology is that the church as an institution replaces Israel and that the true Israel or the Israel of the heart, as Paul talks about in Romans, uh, 10 and 11, uh, is found within the the church. The problem is, is that that's a, in, in the Protestant view, that is an incorrect view of what the church is. The, in the Protestant view, the the church is the universal church made up of all believers on the earth right now. Um, it is not an organization or an institution over and above the individuals that make it up. Um, and so covenant theology simply means that um, the, the members of the covenant, i.e. believers, make up what is called spiritual Israel, and I have no problem with that because there's no there's no replacement of the nation of Israel. It is simply the description of what it means to be in the new covenant, and specifically as Gentiles ingrafted as wild branches, as is talked about in Romans eleven. And so, you know the the difference between covenant theology. And replacement theology is what you determine is the nature and character of the church itself.
0: Did that question get answered?
3: Yes, yes, it was.
0: All right. I just realized the time. Gosh, time flies when I'm steeped in work and it's awful. Um, Well, everyone, (laughs) I suppose you all have, you have something to, you have somewhere to be, right, Chris? Yep. Or Mr. Alby down there. I don't know. seems like you guys are having a good little club, Pastor Sam. Anyone want to keep this thing going? I have to take my family to uh, an early lunch.
2: Yeah, we'll keep it going.
0: All right. Well, take care. Let me know how it goes and good to talk well, to good to listen to some of you guys and we'll catch you later.
2: All right, have a great day, man.
0: All right, you too. See ya.